Welcome to our Wednesday Bible study about the book of Hebrews. I'm going to have to just take a guess and say that Hebrews chapter 11, which is what this video is about, is probably the most well-known and I guess perhaps the most well-liked chapter of the entire book of Hebrews. And what this chapter deals with is sometimes called kind of the hall of faith, so to speak, uh, because all these different individuals are mentioned and used as, as examples of of what the type of faith that we need to have in Jesus Christ uh, should look like. And in this chapter, you know, there's several different ways that we could cover it. I've actually taken so much time before that that I've taken like each one of these different characters and spaced them out on, on different class periods. And it, it takes a long time to go through uh, all of these uh, examples. However, that's not what we're gonna do with this. I just wanna take us uh, through the entire chapter in this one video and for us to see what these types of people look like. Um, obviously, if you want to look these people up and kind of see more about what they did, there's, there's a whole lot that the Bible says that that would be a, a worthwhile study. But we're just going to look at kind of what the Hebrew writer is talking about, and I'll mention some of these things and, and maybe some, some important points uh, for us to take away from it. So let's begin in Hebrews 11 now. Hebrews 11, the first three verses. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were com commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So here, already in this chapter, we start to see this, this kind of a working definition of faith and what it looks like. It has to do with confidence. You know, if, if you want to know what faith is, it's, it's amazing that literally the first three verses is now faith is. But what we see in that is faith is confidence. We see there's a confidence about it. We also see that there's a connection with this hope, and it's that confidence in the hope that we have. But then we also see that assurance is part of it, assurance of what we don't see. How hard is it to be confident in what you hope for? You know, and this type of hope is is not maybe sometimes how we just kind of use the, the term, well, you know, oh, I hope I get to do this tomorrow, something, you know, something like that. It's not like that. This hope is kind of that firm hope that we have that's connected with our faith. I was going to say uh, that hope like our faith, but that doesn't work with this definition because we're looking at faith. So faith is having this confidence in this hope. And then we can have that confidence in this hope because God is the one who's given us this hope. We can have confidence in the word of God. And then in addition to this confidence and this hope, we also see assurance about what we do not see. Can you be assured of what you don't see? I mean, think about that. I mean, how many things do you actually trust that you cannot see? I would like to, to kind of point out that there are a few things that you can't always see, but yet you trust that they uh, are going to happen. You know, you have assurance that it's going to happen. Um, things such as like gravity, you know, uh, you don't necessarily see gravity, uh, but you do have an assurance that if you step off of a high place, you will fall down. Or if anything is dropped off of a high place, it will fall down. You have that assurance. So there is an element of faith there. And that faith, uh, you can say it does kind of come from, you know, your past experiences. But doesn't the faith that we have in Jesus also come from past experiences? Not just the past experiences of us but the past experiences of mankind since the beginning. If you start to think of that uh, about faith, then I think that you're starting to think about this chapter in a really good way. 
and that is this whole chapter is about this type of faith, not necessarily just your own, but faith as a whole throughout all time. We see that, uh, you know, all this, even in verse two, has to do with uh, the ancients, you know, those who have come before us. This is what they hoped for. This is what they had this assurance of, and they were commended by this. We see in verse three that, you know, it is by faith that we understand the things that we do in the Bible. You know, we, we have our way of explaining how the world came about. We also have our way of explaining um, how evil came into the world and different things like that, you know, just to make sense about the world in which we live. However, all of those things come by our faith in the word of God. We believe in Genesis 1, 2, 3, and, and so forth, because we have faith that God is, is accurate in the way that he describes those things. So because of that faith, yeah, we can understand how the universe got here, how it was God who commanded these things. And we can also see that, uh, that the universe, um, it, it was made by God, who is invisible. We can have faith confidence in those things. Now let's take a look at some of these examples because that's what the Hebrew writer uh, goes into next. Verses four through seven of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from, his, from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. So here we start to see the, the layout of how this chapter is gonna go. We keep seeing these examples of by faith, so-and-so did such-and-such. Obviously, you know, with each one of these examples, we see who they are. One thing that I would kind of maybe uh, encourage you to do is you might wanna print off this, this chapter, or uh, maybe if you have a Bible that you could just uh, highlight every time the phrase, by faith shows up. It's amazing whenever you highlight how much it says, by faith this happened, or by faith so-and-so did this thing. And it's just, it's amazing to look at this chapter, and I kind of wish that I could, I could show it to you really, but there's no real good way, but it's something you can experience, and you can kind of study this chapter yourself by just doing that and highlighting the phrase, by faith. You will find out it shows a lot of times. It shows up several times, even in uh, what's on the screen right here. We see it in verse 4, 5, and 7, but if you keep looking, you'll find out it appears even more than that. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. You know, look at those things. And uh, another thing, if you kind of want to look at these examples, um, you might take a, a pen or something and underline the different names that we see. Because by faith, we see Abel did something. By faith, we see Enoch did something. And by faith, we see Noah did something. You could underline uh, those. And it would look kind of interesting and it could teach you something about this chapter and what we learn about faith and the people that acted out in this faith that they had. Did you notice we're kind of going more or less in chronological order? I guess pretty much specifically, we do go in chronological order from the very beginning. However, I do find it interesting that Adam is not mentioned. 
you know, Adam being the first man, you'd think, okay, that's where faith has got to start. However, we really don't see much from scripture that shows Adam to be a man of great faith. Maybe he was, and we just don't have the record. Maybe he wasn't. Uh, you know, we, we don't really know a whole lot about Adam and Eve. Surprisingly, they don't show up very much in the scriptures. But yet, we do know that Abel was righteous. We see that he acted out in faith. And we see that Abel himself, um, the last phrase in verse 4, is kind of interesting, especially when you connect it to some of the other things that, uh, that are stated here in Hebrews. But this, by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. I think that's something we need to recognize about this entire chapter. Yes, by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. But guess what? Enoch still speaks. Noah still speaks. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, all these others that we see in this chapter, they still speak, even though they've died. And I would like to think that you know, we ourselves could look at ourselves as people who our faith will live on beyond us and that we can still speak, uh, so, to, so to speak, I guess you might say, even after we have died uh, and that, that kind of this legacy of faith will live on. But we do see this concept of death already showing up in verse four. Even though he died, his faith still speaks. But when you combine verse four with verse five, that talks about Enoch, who he did not experience death. Now, Enoch, you know, he's kind of like a, a strange individual, an, an odd, uh, let's see, unique. There we are. That's a better term. He's a unique individual because he didn't experience death like most of us do. Um, and what we see in verses four and five is that our faith goes actually beyond death. Abel still speaks even though he's died. Well, Enoch, he had such faith that he didn't even die. So you kind of see that our faith can take us beyond death. And I, I think that that's wonderful uh, to be able to rest in that assurance and rest in that hope to know that our faith will carry us beyond these things that we can see or that we can't see and, and just show us and prove to us the importance of what we are doing uh, here on earth during this time that we've been given. We also see in verse six, a phrase that I think we do not need to take it lightly. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, there's a few things that are mentioned throughout Scripture, maybe not as many as what you might think, but there are a few things that are mentioned throughout Scripture that you have to do this in order to please God. Or without faith, it's impossible to please God. I mean, just think about that phrase. Do you want to please God? You have to have faith. Without faith, it's just simply impossible to please God. It's not going to happen. There's no way for it to be able to, to happen. It's impossible. So how important is faith? Hmm. Pretty important. We've got to have it in order to please God. We also see something about what this faith, faith must include. It, it must include, as verse 6 goes on to say, uh, that we must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, these things are, are connected with that. And you might also notice that I said that there are a few things that are listed that we have to to have? Well, it does say uh, that whenever we come to him, we must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Okay, so this is another thing that we must do. So already in this one chapter, we get a few things. I'm sorry, in this one verse, we get a few things that we actually have to do in order to be pleasing to God. Uh, just kind of interesting to maybe 
be reminded of those whenever we come across those in our other studies. Um, but yeah, there's there's yeah, a couple to kind of you know dive into a little bit. We see chapter seven, which I'm not going to comment too much about Noah, but we see that by faith Noah he he acted out. The reason why I'm not going to comment too much about Noah is he's kind of one of my favorite characters. I just love him. Um, and if I'm not careful, I could just go on and on and on and on about him. But really, the Hebrew writer mentions him, shows how important he is, but then we move on to another thing because we, we've got a lot of examples to take a look at. But Noah is one, one of these wonderful examples because literally whenever the entire world was going one direction, what we see in Noah is he had faith in God to go the other direction and to follow God. That's what we ourselves need to be doing. Um, so let's keep looking because there's more examples of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 12. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. So now we come to another example of faith. And, and by the way, I don't want you to think that this entire uh, passage right here, verses 8 through 12, don't think that this is all about Abraham, because it isn't. When you look at verse 8, you see it's about Abraham, but notice 11, by faith even Sarah. So we see that Sarah is mentioned too. So it's the faith of Abraham and the faith of Sarah. Um, we don't need to overlook our families and the need for faith to be among our families. And here actually in all of these, we see it's Abraham's mentioned, Sarah's mentioned, but then we also see Isaac and Jacob, and, and of course, by extension, their own families too. So all of these are combined in together about this faith that they have. How do we see their faith right here? Well, what's used as an example in these verses, now I will just give you a little bit of a heads up. Uh, we're going to go to another passage and then come back in this same chapter in uh, verse 17. We're going to come back to Abraham. He actually gets mentioned twice, like two different times. So what do we see really focus on here? Well, what we really see is, uh, I guess, kind of described for us in verse 10. When you look at verse 10, we see that he was looking forward to a city different type of city. This city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. That's the important thing. You know, here on this on this earth, he lived in a tent. He traveled around. He went wherever God told him to go because he didn't really care where his house was located. He was looking for a home that's different. Uh, even really with the promised land, there was, there was more about the promised land than just a physical location and he just had to build a house there. That's not what his purpose was about. His purpose was about this city that had the foundation that God established. That's what Abraham was looking forward to. That's what Sarah and Isaac and Jacob were all looking forward to, too. That's what they had faith in, and that's how they demonstrated this faith, is they were looking forward to something greater, uh, something, you know, out of this world, so to speak. You know, if you kind of want to, to frame it like that, that's the type of faith that we are called to have. And we are called to demonstrate in our own lives and show as an example for those people around us, too, and especially our own families. Let's keep looking because there's also uh, some more about this. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. Now we get a few more uh, kind of more generic statements. So let's look at these or, or more uh, statements that are made about all of these examples that we looked at so far. Verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So now the attention is kind of the same type of thing that I pointed out in the last uh, passage. But now we see all of these people, they had faith. They lived and they died in their faith. But notice what we pointed out in verses four and five, that our faith goes beyond death. Abel still speaks even though he died. Enoch had such faith that he didn't even have to die. So our faith can take us beyond death and out into the other side. And here in this case, the other side has to do with this better country, this heavenly country, this one that God has set up for us, this holy city that he has prepared for us, because that is what God has done. And you might be saying, well, where does it actually talk about a holy city right here? Well, even if you don't have the specific phrase holy city, uh, what we do see is uh, God has prepared this city. Whenever he has specially prepared something, it is holy, isn't it? So that's what they were all looking forward to. They didn't even receive, go back and look at verse 13 again. They did not even receive the things that were promised. That's the type of faith that they had. Uh, also, another interesting thing about uh, this example, which sort of just kind of came to me at this point, uh, point in the passage, and that is all of these examples of faith are from the Old Testament. They lived and they died, not really seeing all the promises fulfilled. They did not receive everything that they were promised, not in their lifetime, but that's coming. We'll see that at the end of the chapter. We'll see how it all comes together in a beautiful uh, kind of poetic statement, if, if you will. And just as a little bit of a heads up, we also are part of it, uh, but we'll notice that in a moment. So that's what they're looking forward to is this better country, one that God has established. Now let's go back to Abraham. Verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Once again, in this passage, we see that our faith takes us beyond death. We not only can still speak after death like Abel, we not only can have such faith that we don't have to experience death, but we can also have the type of faith like Abraham had that we know that God will bring people back from the dead. I mean, all of these times we see the power of God. We see the beauty of what God has planned for us. And if you uh, want to, to dive into this too, perhaps you notice the phrase in verse 17. Uh, about Isaac being the one and only son of Abraham. Was he the one and only son of Abraham? Well, technically, by the time Isaac came around, Abraham already had um, Ishmael, if you remember. And he wasn't the only son, so, I mean, he wasn't really the one and only. Except that phrase, it means more than just literally a number. It, it, it means something about the special place that Isaac had, because Isaac was the one 
that the promises were given through. And so it's not so much the fact that he was just one and he was the only one. No, that phrase has to do with that he's a special son. That phrase, if you remember, is also used of Jesus Christ, isn't it? In John 3, 16, about how God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Is Jesus the only son of God? No. Any of you who are, who are Christians are sons of God or daughters of God. But Jesus is a special son. He, did a, he had a task and he had promises that were associated with him that aren't connected to us, at least not in the same ways. He died on the cross for us in our place. Uh, in this similar way, we see the sacrifice of Isaac. So this, uh, these images that are used here kind of point toward uh, what Christ did and kind of look at that and examine those two things together. Let's look at other examples of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, now verses 20 through 23. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he, I'm sorry, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So here in this passage, we start to, to move through this greater list of people. We see that Isaac had faith, Jacob had faith, Joseph had faith, and then we skip a few generations and we go to Moses. So now this, in these few verses, we've covered hundreds of years to get from the promises that were given to Abraham all the way down to Moses' parents and how Moses is going to be a great deliverer. But we see all these great examples and we see how they acted in faith. They didn't receive those things that were promised to them, but they acted out in faith knowing that God is going to take care of it in the end. And he, of course, did. There's more examples of faith, though, in this chapter. Let's keep looking. Now, verses 24 through 28. Now we get to Moses himself. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded uh, disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. So now we come to the faith of Moses, the one who is to deliver, and we see the type of faith that he had. Yes, we could look at his his uh, specific example, and we can see character flaws within him. We can see sin in his life. But yet, what we also see and what the, the Hebrew writer is drawing our attention to is, look at the faith that he had. Look at what he was willing to do. Look at what he was willing to give up in this case. Like in verse 26, we learn this great concept for us that we need to also recognize too, is that Christ has a greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Do, do we regard Christ that great, that it's a greater value than the treasures of Egypt? Or in our case, do we regard Christ as of greater value than the treasures of the United States of America? You know, wherever we might find ourselves, do we consider Christ greater? And are we willing to act out in that faith and actually follow that faith where it leads and follow Christ wherever he leads us? 
That's what these men and women of this chapter did. That's what we've got to be willing to do too. Let's keep looking because there's more examples. Verses 29 through 31 now. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So now we see a few more examples of just kind of acting out in faith and what these people did. We see that Rahab is mentioned, even though she's not really an Israelite, but she had faith like an Israelite. And because of that, she was really taken into the group and treated as if she was an Israelite. So being faithful to God and being part of this faith community of God is more than just where you were born. It's much more than that. Rahab shows us that as an example. But there's so many other examples, too, that we could look at. And in fact, there's a lot of other examples that are just briefly mentioned in this chapter. Verses 32 through 38 now. Uh, listen to what the Hebrew writer says here. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, and mountains living in caves and in the holes in the ground. This is an example of what faith does. But keep in mind, the faith that we can have in God goes beyond death. It goes beyond this persecution that we might find ourselves in. The Hebrew writer did say, look, I don't have time to tell you about all these other examples, but there's plenty of other examples. And there's plenty of other examples for us to learn from too. And I think at this point, what we need to recognize is, it is a call for us to be continuing this story, to be the same type of example that people can look to today and learn from and see the type of faith that you and that I have, because that's the calling that, that we've been given. And if you want to know why I would say such things about how this passage kind of gives us this calling, look with me at the last two verses of this chapter, and I believe it's very clear. Last two verses of this chapter. Verses 39 and 40. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So this last passage, it still talks about how all these examples in the Old Testament, and I believe that carries over into the New Testament as well, all of these were commended for their faith. It's a great thing that they had this faith, and we can learn a lot from them. It's wonderful. None of them received fully what they had been promised though. They were still waiting for more. And in verse 40, we also find out this last phrase that we're left with, only together with us would they be made perfect. So you have these great men and women of faith in the Old Testament and the great men and women of faith in the New Testament, and only together can we actually be made perfect. 
And I want you to think about what that might mean, because it could perhaps mean a few different things. What I believe at least it means is it means that we are kind of the ultimate fulfillment of what they were hoping for. All these promises that they were waiting for in the Old Testament, we in the New Testament times are seeing those things being fulfilled in our own day. And this perfection being complete, uh, being made right. The only way for this to happen is whenever you have this faith that they believed in in the Old Testament combined with the realities that we see in the New Testament. And when you put all these together, we help complete this story that's been going on since the beginning of time. We are very important to this. We've got to be people who are still continuing this story. And if we're continuing this story, guess what? That means we still need to be making examples of great men and women of faith, just like we read about in this chapter. Does that describe your life today? If it doesn't describe your life today, what can you do today and tomorrow to change your life and make it this type of example so that people could perhaps hear about your faith years later and they'd be encouraged by what you've done in your faith in God?